we're gonna we're gonna go ahead and get started. Um, if you want to come over and grab some chairs, or hang out around in the area, sit on the table if you'd like. Uh, uh, I first want to thank you all for coming out on a Wednesday evening, which I know is also fall break for some of the public schools in town. But um, thank you for for making the trip up. We're excited to kick off. Uh, Breast Cancer Awareness Month, and um, we were saying today on Wednesdays we drink pink, so we're <laughs> drinking pink um, and and eating pink, obviously. Um, but it's I think it should be a fun night, just so that you all know too. We are video and audio recording for our podcast and for Tina's podcast too. Um, so if you aren't already listening, this should be our premiere for season two of Good Market Live, and then I'm not sure when you're gonna post it, but soon we will likely <laughs> hopefully have it up by the end of the month, um, along with some video, but. I'm excited to bring together a really dynamic group of ladies tonight to talk about um, some things that are happening in breast cancer, some things that are happening in the world, and then um, some things that we're doing to kind of help breast cancer patients as well. So um, on my left, Tina Conrad. Hello. (laughs) Stephanie Shaley. Hi. Anna Maria Storniolo. Hello. Jess George. Good evening, everyone. And Benita Goldblatt. Hi, everyone. And maybe we'll start down there. Then if you all could say what you what you do, and then we'll jump into the questions. Sure. I am the co-founder and creative director of Zest Organics. Um, I am the other co-founder of Zest Organics. <laughs> and I always like to say that Benita does the fun creative stuff, and I do nerdy spreadsheets. So that's oh, kind of my, my side of the Hi, I'm a medical oncologist at uh, Indiana University. I treat women with breast cancer. And I am the executive director of the foundation at Beer Bradley. And I am a nine-year breast cancer survivor, daughter of a two-time breast cancer survivor. And my day job is um, at Vera Bradley, um, senior manager with Home and Apparel. And uh, Tina is also a partner of ours here at Good Market. We sell her book. From C to C. Yes. And I think you're going to kick us off with a yes. poem. Yes. So she, Tina wrote a couple poems that she's premiering here tonight. So they're not in the book, but you, she, I'm sure she could probably get her to autograph a book for you if you'd <laughs> like to buy a book. Um, but I'll let you go with the poem. Okay, thanks. So to kick off, um, I wrote a poem called Brave Girl. Brave girl, just a shell of you. As the chemo fills your veins, you got this. You will get through somehow. Be you, girl whatever that means right now. Those scars are reminders. Did you want to cover them? Let it all go. As you show them with pride, be you, girl. There's nothing left to hide. That voice inside, did the little whisper grow louder? As you slowed down to listen, peel off your armor. Be you, girl. Let your pure light glisten. Brave girl, with that smile upon your face. Brave girl, what's hidden in that place? I want you to know that I see you. I want you to know that I am you. Thank you. Thanks. So Tina, I'm gonna throw the first question out to you okay. since since you got to read the poem, which we'll is like give everything to you right away. <laughs> um, I think your book has been really interesting to read. I was lucky enough to get an early copy when you first got it in, but I'd love for you to talk a little bit about why the book was important to you. And, and the timing was really interesting too with the title, but why was it important for you to write a book? Yeah, yeah. So. Writing was very uh, cathartic for me during um, my whole um, journey with breast cancer. And I really do encourage everyone to write whatever trauma you're going through. It's definitely a, such a powerful tool to get all of those feelings and emotions out. Um, so I started writing a poem actually just days after my whole journey started. So 
I took a shower for the first time, saw myself and my body for the first time, and it was just very, very overwhelming. And so I just took to writing and it just became, you know, my therapy and I kept up with it. And then, you know, life kind of continues and then COVID hit. And so um, I found myself kind of feeling the same things, you know, feeling isolated, being alone and, you know, going through this. Obviously, there's more people going through it when you're going through COVID. So that's why it's called From C to C, which is cancer to COVID. And it really does talk about, you know, just these feelings that I had and just kind of the arc, you know, that went with it. So I just really want to share my story and then have others know that it's it's perfectly good to write whether you share or don't share it's just great to get those feelings out that's great so i'm going to get down to benita and jess to talk about scarves a little bit but steph i want to talk about the foundation and um, the reason that we wanted to have the event tonight is to really celebrate the foundation again Um, so the scarves that the ladies are all wearing are all from zest and important for you to know that 5% of all of our sales for this entire month and the sales of scarves on your site as well will go back to the foundation. Um, so in addition to that, though, we are actually donating some scarves alongside Zest and the foundation to 50 women that are in breast cancer treatment. So um, you can actually see the scarf and they're getting a journal as well from one of our other partners. Um, and we'd encourage you to write a note. So there's some blank cards that you can write with the foundation logo on it. But Stephanie, the lot going on with the foundation right now. I know you guys were in a Dahlia field today. You were hanging pink ribbons yesterday and you're new to the foundation. But could you tell us a little bit about some of the things that are happening right now? I know you just did a $50 million pledge recently and, and you've been around the foundation a long time. So it's not new to Vera Bradley, but new. New to that role. Correct. Well, um, first of all, I want to thank you, Zest, for your generous donation. It really means a lot and helps us um, advance research. So thank you. And thank you to Harry and Good Market. We really appreciate it. So, um, yeah, crazy month, right? So we just came off of um, our 28th uh, annual classic. So that's pickleball, tennis, or I'm sorry, pickleball and golf and um, fun weekend of activities. We just completed Turning the Town Pink. So if you see any pink ribbons around um, downtown or homes, Um, And that's not just here in Fort Wayne. Um, That is um, almost, it could be global now, right? And so anyone can buy a pink packet of ribbons and support um, the foundation. What I love about our pink ribbons is each of them has a name. And um, as we were hanging them, it kind of touches you because that individual, it's either in memory or of honor of someone that's been affected by breast cancer. And so that's um, really amazing. Um, then we have our gifts of hope that's year round though. So if you ever want to give someone a gift, it does not have to be just for anyone battling breast cancer. Um, it could be for birthdays, anniversaries, just to tell them you love them. And so those are available, obviously online donations. And then really new this year, what you'll see us ramping up are gifts. So we want to partner with partners like good market and, um, get the word out and have fun events that really celebrate, um, you know, what we're doing. And so lots going on and um, lots of things to come. So Anna Maria, over to you, your first time in Good Market. So thank you. Welcome. We're glad you're here. Thank you. (laughs) Um, I told you as I, when we were talking earlier, um, irrespective of the fact that um, I intend to spend a little money here before (laughs) I leave. Um, um, Even before that thought hit, um, I walked in here and it really just brings a smile to your face it's just a very happy place um so it's very very welcoming um i loved the poem and and i loved it because it spoke to strength and it spoke to 
it addressed women's fears and and I have to tell you when um when I first talked to women with breast cancer and this is now 40 years of this and um I know I started when I was 2 um um but the um what I they look so frightened and um and so I I I always start with the end and what I tell them is this is a bump in the road of your life. It's a huge bump in the road, but it's a bump in the road. And you are going to get to the other side of this. And you're going to get to that better than you are now. And they'll say, Oh, I, you know, I don't know. I've, you know, I've just never, you know, been one to struggle or whatever. And I've literally said to them, I know pieces of spaghetti that have gotten through this um, with great strength and courage and so I know you can do it and that's why I really you really captured it and I think you captured it probably because you went through it but um it it just spoke to me I think you really hit it the nail on the head <laughs> yeah poem too wait to put but I, I'd love for you to talk about one of the things that I didn't know and we've known each other for a few years but one of the things that I didn't know was the breast cancer tissue program that you started. Can you tell everybody a little bit about that? Yeah. Um, about 15 years ago now, um, we had the crazy idea that um, we should start a, a tissue bank of normal breast specimens. Um, it, I say it was a crazy idea because no one had done it before. Literally no one. So now at, at Indiana University, we have the world's only um, bank of normal breast specimens. And to explain, that means that over 6,000 women now have volunteered to have the same exact breast biopsy that you would have if you had an abnormal mammogram, except that they didn't have an abnormal mammogram and they literally came in off the street simply to have a breast biopsy for research purposes. Um, so again, this has been going on for 15 years. It um, it was a crazy idea because no one, I'm smiling because no one thought women would do this. And um, I'm speaking to a group of women primarily, but um, I, and I'm not sure it would have happened anywhere but in the Midwest. Um, I'm a Midwesterner by, by um, I was raised in Wisconsin, but, um, just to give you a sense of feasibility, a research biopsy in most universities costs $5,000. If I had to pay $5,000 for a research biopsy, this never would have happened. When someone first asked me, what does this cost? I literally had to stop and think about it. And I finally said, well, uh, I guess we steal the lidocaine from the clinic and... <laughs> And, and then I got a brilliant idea. I said, the needles cost $200 a piece. And that was it. And they just looked at me and they said, well, who does it? And my, the whole thing is done by volunteers. The surgeons come in and volunteer their Saturdays. The people who are drawing the blood come in and, and volunteer their Saturdays. And um, I've said it before, but the purpose of these biopsies is to be able to sort out 
the normal, what happens normally in a breast. So if you think about a breast, and then I'll pass this on, if you think about a breast over time, you have childhood, you have adolescence, you have puberty, and then adulthood where the breast actually changes twice in the same month. Then you have pregnancy, nursing, um, weaning, and finally menopause. So you think about all of that, which is con uh, controlled by molecular switches. And then you think about cancer, which is uncontrolled growth. Another way to think about that is somewhere along the line, the switches got messed up. And, um, and so they're keeping doing this without any signal to say stop. And so unless you understand what prompted the normal signals, you're never going to understand how to prevent them from, from going haywire. And, um, and that's exactly what we're studying. And so it was an easy elevator speech to women. They understood it. And believe it or not, most of these women do not have family members with breast cancer. So these literally are women who are just sick of this disease. Real quick, before you let the mic go, I think you have another donation day coming up in November. Thank you. Um, yes, November 12th um, at uh, Indiana University in the Simon Cancer Center on the second floor. If you're interested, please uh, look at www.comantissuebank, all one word, dot I-U dot E-D-U. And the reason it's named for Komen is that uh, in 2007, um, when people really thought we'd lost our minds, Komen um, gave us um, the money to get going, and they're still funding us uh, to a large degree, as is the Vera Bradley Foundation. Thank you. So, Jess Benita, I'm excited to talk about your product and your scarves, and you've been with us really since the beginning. Um, but we talked about this, having an event like this and doing something like this a long time ago, and I appreciate you taking the risk with us and doing it. So thank you. Um, but I want to talk a little bit about your scarves and what made you decide to do this initiative to donate scarves to women. And, and just so everybody knows, you're donating scarves to women where you are and where we are and where Anna Marie is. So the, the women really all over this part of the country are getting scarves from you. Um, but can you talk a little bit about that? What made you decide to do it? Um, for us, this was really about stories. So we, one of our favorite things to do is to read stories that come into our customer service email. And so we kept getting these emails from women who were saying, thank you. I wanted to do something for a friend who was going through treatment and giving them the scarf, giving them this wrap was something that could give them warmth, give them comfort during this really difficult time. And we just kept getting these emails and it was something that just kept popping up for us. Yeah, I mean, we're a small business, so it's there's only um, four of us in the company. Um, and we're all so we're women run and women led and women are at the heart of obviously what we do. Jess and I grew up together. We've been best friends since we were little girls. Um, and so when we first developed this product, we knew we wanted it for comfort. And the idea was this would be something you take for traveling. So travel was really at the heart of what we were 
thinking when we designed this. And as Jess said, as we were um, growing and getting this product out there, we were getting these emails over and over again of women that were buying this as a gift for friends or even sometimes for themselves as they go through this treatment. We realized like, wow, this is really, this is definitely, there's something to this. This is really truly providing more comfort than we ever imagined. One um, story in particular that sticks out in my mind was um, a woman who wrote to us. She said her best friend was diagnosed um, we get emotional thinking about it. Um, and she couldn't be there for her. And so she had one of these scarves. And so she bought a scarf to send to her as a hug, like so that every time she put that on, her friend was giving her a hug, which I mean, to be a part of that story and to know we were there for that person to do that just means more than anything we could have ever imagined. I've got another question for you on that. <clears throat> Excuse me. I was talking to a lady earlier this week that had one of your scarves or has one of your scarves. And, uh, she said that, She's in treatment and she was saying that the softness of it has been really important for her that she can, you know, kind of, it gives her something to do mm -hmm. while she's sitting and going through treatment. And I know softness is key to what you do, but yeah. probably not something you thought about when you were, it was more just about being soft. It was never about sort of the tactile nature of actually being therapeutic too. Pretty, pretty interesting. So Tina, uh, back to you for a minute. When you think about when you were first diagnosed and you were going into treatment, what kinds of things were, were going through your mind? Like, what do I need to do today? What do I need to do today? You know, tomorrow, what do I need to be thinking about? Yeah, I mean, takes me way back. <laughs> um, I think you're just really trying to put one foot in front of the other. And it's so overwhelming. It's really organization of all the different doctor's appointments. Like it's you go from just living a normal work life to all of a sudden, like, I have to leave at noon for this appointment. I have to leave for three. And you're doing so many diagnostic um, appointments at the beginning. And then you kind of settle into a routine. Um, but definitely chemo was the hardest for me. Um, you know, my friends gave me a blanket. They gave me a Vera tote, actually. I was in Chicago <laughs> at the time. But, you know, it was like, you know, forward thinking, I guess. Um, but they gave me um, a Vera tote to take to my first chemo. And I will tell you, like, some of those gifts do mean so much to the to the person um and so you know i carried that tote just really proudly and you know would take all the things that i would need you know for the day whether it was like my ipad you know um it, and i think that's also to what kind of started me wanting to do a podcast is like it's really hard to read a book and to focus on a screen but for some reason like audio is like not that hard and so like listening is actually much easier or you, you can kind of be soothed by people's voice. So not only did I want to share my story, but I felt it was a format that other survivors could do as they're trying to navigate these, you know, crazy waters. And, and your podcast is great, by the way. Yeah, oh, thank you. <laughs> um, Steph, question for you really quickly. Um, you and I were fortunate a number of years ago to do a big breast cancer campaign. Mm -hmm. What it was in, I think, 2016 mm -hmm. with the foundation, the first time that the foundation had really publicly been mm -hmm. connected in such a big way. Uh, and the word hope was important then, and the word hope is still mm -hmm. so important today. And I think this year you said hope lives mm -hmm. here. Uh, mm -hmm. Did I get that right? Hope lives here. Yeah. <laughs> um, but can you talk a little bit about why the word hope is so important to the women that you've met and, mm -hmm. and really to the foundation as a whole? Well, really, um, it's more about the word hope, right? Hope lives in our friendship. It lives in our community. It lives in our volunteers. There's so much beyond we hope we're going to make it, right? The one thing that we say is, we want women to thrive after they've been diagnosed, not just survive. And so um, it, it takes a community for us. And um, 
And we just love that word. We're, we, we just love it. We embrace it. And we think it carries not only from when we did it years ago, it's still relevant today. And um, that's one of my favorites. And it's important to us. And Vera Bradley has also embraced this this year as well um, with the hope pouch, right? They've carried that word throughout. And so every time you see that, you know that you're surrounded by your community, your friends, your research, everything that makes this happen. So Benita, Jess, back to you guys, both of your moms, right? Tina's mom was diagnosed with breast cancer and then she um, was diagnosed as well. When you think about the hope that you have tagging on to Stephanie's words of hope, what is your hope for your kids in the future? Thanks for putting me. <laughs> um, you know, I, I have a daughter. I mean, I hope she never has to go through this. Like I hope that we all of the hard work and dedication that everyone has put into this. I hope that within her lifetime, this is gone. Yeah, I, I think it has been really wonderful. We were able to FaceTime as a group last week. And I think seeing each of these women and kind of the different impact that they have about the, this one important issue. And then there are all of these important issues. And so, so many people are just finding this purpose and this life's work to just make a positive contribution. So my hope would be as a mother that my son can find something like this, something that he can believe in, something that he can support and something that he can make a difference with in his life. So Anna Marie, a question for you about the future of research too. What's on the horizon that you're so close to getting and what do you see coming in the next you know, year? So um, when I started doing this, um, we were telling women um, with metastatic disease, meaning that disease has spread beyond the breast, um, that there, from the time we discovered that, that their average lifespan, average now, was two years. When I think about that now, it, it just blows my mind because now it, it, we really are measuring it in decades. And again, that has been in, in the matter of about 30 years, which in medicine... It takes a long time to get drugs developed and re and approved and all that stuff. And yet, when you think about all of the the advances that have been made, not only in, in medications, but in medications, in surgery, and in radiation, um, everything has been um, improved. We're now learning that less is more. Um, Fewer and fewer women are getting chemotherapy. Um, in in the year 2000, if you had a one centimeter tumor, it didn't even matter what else was going on. You were going to get chemo. Now it's it's a minority of women that get chemo because the most common kind of breast cancer, which is estrogen receptor positive, most of those don't need chemotherapy, which is enormous. And that was based on a blood test, I'm sorry, on a test that's done, not in general, so we're not guessing anymore, but on your tumor that gets sent to the lab and the genetics are done on your tumor and you find out whether chemo is actually going to be beneficial or not, or whether just taking an anti-estrogen pill is going to be enough. And so it's completely changed the face um, of this disease. Antibodies have changed the face of this disease. But I think the probably the biggest changes coming up are going to be that um, 
your daughter or maybe your granddaughter for sure, I can say, probably won't have to worry about this disease. And and I honestly, in my core, believe that. Um, we are so close to understanding, partly because of things like the tissue bank, but we're so close to understanding the very, very earliest changes from normal to cancerous and what triggers that. And so the minute you figure out what triggers it, the the race is on to see how we can prevent that from happening. Um, and some of it is medication related. Some of it is lifestyle related. Um, we're learning more and more about how our reproductive system impacts our risk of breast cancer. Um, we're learning more and more about how our environment um, um, impacts breast cancer. So, and again, um, breast cancer is not one disease. So it's at least, it's at least five diseases and counting. And so, and now we're learning that we're actually treating many of them or several of them differently than we're, than the others. And so, um, everything is in constant, constant flux, um, it's gotten to the point where if, if as a practicing doctor, if you don't understand the science, you can't practice anymore um, because you need to be able to explain to the patient what, why you're doing what you're doing. And um, so I see nothing but improvements, but I really see a huge change in uh, prevention and in survivorship in helping women because now what we've learned is, you know, we've succeeded less than 20% or I'm sorry, over 80% of women with breast cancer are long-term survivors. Unfortunately, many of them have long-term side effects from the treatment that we've done. So how are we going to help them live healthier lives? Um, um, as I dismiss people from my clinic, I, you know, I have the pleasure of saying, you're not going to die of breast cancer, um, you know. But this is what you have to do to stay healthy. And oftentimes they don't want to hear it. It's like um, you need to keep moving. Um, you need to keep walking. I never use the word exercise. Um, you know, you need to eat your green vegetables and all of that good stuff. I mean, they don't want to hear it, but it's not rocket science. So. That's great. And uh, one thing, Tina, I've got, I know you've got one more poem to go, but before we do that, I think one of the other things that I know we talked about as a group you said you were hopeful for is that we don't have to wear pink in October anymore. So yeah. um, we're, we're, we're cheering that on. Outlaw pink. She's going to outlaw pink. And, and on that note, I'm going to let Tina take it to our last poem, which was inspired by that conversation. Yeah. So you inspired me, Anna Maria. So it's called No More Pink. I remember in October, filled with fall hues, giant leaf piles. I remember when pink was just a color of prom dresses, nail polish, lipstick for my smile. Now October hits different. It's too much pink, more than a crayon hue, sometimes more than I can take when all I want to do is wear blue. So never say, oh, sorry. Now is between the today of pink and hope of tomorrow. Hope at the center of science to make pink just pink, no longer filled with sorrow. Never say never, hope is forever.
What do you think of a world with no pink? Thank you. So on that, again, thank you all for coming. Thank you all for spending the evening talking. I appreciate it. It's been great. Hope you've enjoyed it, too. Thank you. And um, a couple of things really quickly. We have cards, again, that you can write uh, notes of inspiration to women that are going into treatment. They're going to go to hospitals around the area. Um, so please do that. Please have on Wednesdays. Remember, we drink pink. So make sure you drink some pink. And um, for people that are shopping, the first 20 people that are shopping, there are some gifts as well that you might enjoy taking with you. So uh, with that, we'll leave you and thank you again. Thank you.